0: I think as we as we get into Daniel chapter number one, uh, I was actually thinking about this, and when I initially wanted to go through Daniel, um, we we studied Daniel a while a while before. Uh, like I'm pretty sure it was within the first the first year that we that my wife and I were were leading driven, so this is a long time ago um and uh i wanted to go back and study daniel again because i love the book of daniel i love the stories in the book of daniel i love the example of daniel and uh but I, i wasn't sure if i wanted to go back through it the way we had done it before and so when when this thought and hearing this thought um came up, it, it, uh, it definitely spoke to me, and so I hope that it will do the same, and, and I was, as I was thinking, as we came off Great Commission worship, as we uh, talked about how God has called us to bring glory and honor to Him, and that our worship then should translate into our witness how we should live in this world, uh, I want to, to focus on that a little bit, because I don't want to make the mistake of, of the, us thinking that... Being a witness in this world is done in a vacuum where everything is fine, and, and uh, you know, it's the Philippian jailer. What must I do to be saved? Uh, because the fact of the matter is, is that we live in an ungodly world, in an ungodly culture, and we need to know how to live in that in order to be that witness that we have spent so much time on. And uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Daniel chapter number one. I think I mentioned this last week, but this series is probably going to be a little bit harder. Uh, than any that we've ever done before, at least in a while. And uh, so I, I just ask that you bear with me. We're going to talk over the next six to eight weeks. We're going to talk about some, some very practical and prevalent issues of our time and our day. And uh, we are going to talk about them from uh, the standpoint of the Bible. And so this is what I want you to do. Okay, Everybody look right up here. Uh, I want you to repeat after me these words. Okay, Say this. I would rather, I would rather. hear the truth than what I want to hear. Okay, all right, y'all said it, okay? So now you have to. Um, uh, no, as, we, as, we, as we're looking at society, as we're looking at culture, the world around us, the, the ideologies of culture, we have to look at it through the lens of the never-changing Word of God instead of the ever-changing opinion of man. Uh, and that's how we've got to operate. We've got to know enough of God's Word to know where to draw the line and enough, have enough courage uh, to draw it. And so as we look at uh, the, the issues of society, of culture today, uh, we've got to know what the Bible has to say about them. Because here's the thing, if, if the church does not disciple people on these issues, then the world will. And so I want to make sure that we know what God says about these, how we are to approach them, how we are uh, to live uh, in this ungodly world. So we're in Daniel chapter number one. Uh, We're going to read a little and talk a little and uh, get into this today. Daniel chapter number one. Verse number one, the Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And so this is going to be the beginning for the children of Israel, the children of Judah, excuse me, the nation of Judah, This is going to be the beginning of their captivity. Now, this is only the first part of it, though, because it's going to take 19 years before the entire nation of Judah is going to be carried captive uh, into Babylon, and it's going to be complete. Look at verse number two. The Bible says, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, that's important. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels under the treasure uh, house of his God. And uh, so Jehoiakim is the king of Judah at this time. He's a terrible king, uh, just a terrible leader, a godless leader, uh, but he, is, uh, he has high approval ratings. Uh, And and it's important to note that a a disobedient people, a people living in disobedience, as the children of Judah uh, were doing right now, will follow leaders who tell them what they wanna hear. And that's important for us to know. That has nothing to do with what we're gonna talk about today. But the people of Judah were following Jehoiakim, why? Because he was telling them what they wanted to hear. He was giving them what they wanted. And so as this people is living in rebellion, God is going to give them over to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar. And it's important to note that as we go through the book of Daniel, we're going to see three different groups of people. And uh, we're going to be able to point them out. We're going to be able to see them. You're going to be able to see God's people. You're going to be able to see the people of Babylon. And then the third group, and this is the most confusing group, you're going to see God's people who live like they're Babylonians. And that's the most confusing group, and we'll see those as we go throughout the book. Uh, look at Daniel chapter number one, verse number three. The Bible says And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, and skillful in all wisdom. This is a verse my wife says is about me. Uh, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science. And such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans." And so Daniel is a part of this as Nebuchadnezzar is starting his captivity of Judah. And so he tells some of his leaders, I want you to select a certain group of the young people from Judah to bring back to Babylon uh, for a special purpose. And so Daniel is a part of this group. Daniel's probably 13 to 15 years old uh, when this occurs. And so Daniel, we would, we would say he was a prisoner of war, POW. We would probably actually today classify him as a victim of human trafficking. Daniel is being uh, put into captivity for a purpose, and he's not just being put into captivity there in Judah, he's being forced to walk 700 miles to Babylon, uh, which is in modern day Iraq. The best of the best were the targets. Uh, of Nebuchadnezzar and his leaders in Babylon, and they were going to go through, you can see, they were going through a complete cultural re-education, an indoctrination of a new culture. Uh, They were going to be given a new way of viewing things. And so Daniel and his friends, they're being taken from a godly place. They're being taken from a godly family. They're being taken uh, from worshiping in a godly way. They're being taken from godly culture and godly values and godly way of living. And they're being taken to a place of ungodly culture, uh, a place of ungodly people. They are being given an ungodly family. They are they're being forced to worship in an ungodly way and, and, and adopt ungodly. As... Daniel and his friends are being forced to live in Babylon. You say, okay, that's nice, but how does that apply to me? How does that apply to me? Well, uh, we're, we're going to talk just for a minute about demons, and so everybody, everybody perked up, all right? Um, because the Babylon that we read about here in Daniel chapter number one, uh, the literal kingdom of Babylon over whom Nebuchadnezzar was king, the most powerful uh, kingdom in the world at this time, that kingdom will fall and cease to exist in about 538 B.C. It will not exist in history anymore. In fact, as we, study Babylon, or as we study Daniel, we will see that happen. But we read about Babylon even later in Scripture. We read about it in the New Testament. In fact, uh, we see in 1 Peter 5.13, the church that is at Babylon elected together with you saluteth you, and so doth Mark, or Marcus, my son. Uh, The church that is at Babylon. Uh, We read about Babylon in Revelation. Revelation 14, verse number 8, the Bible says, and they're following another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And so when we read about the, the, we read that name Babylon in Revelation. Remember this, okay? Revelation, although it is a a, it's revealing what is going to happen in the future, that's not the only thing, the only purpose that Revelation serves. Revelation is also pulling back the curtain as far as what is happening right now in the spiritual realm remember we are in a spiritual battle we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places and revelation is pulling back the curtain so that we can see what is going on so when we read daniel talking about babylon and we read revelation talking about babylon remember this as well that the bible is not just an old book The Bible is not an old book full of stories. The Bible is a timeless book. It doesn't just teach us what happened. It teaches us what is happening right now. And as we think about Babylon, we need to remember this. Think back with me when Jesus was about to go to the cross and Peter told him, uh, not so, Lord. When he said, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be taken, I'm going to be killed. And Peter said, not so, Lord. And what does Jesus say to Peter after that? He says, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. So was Jesus addressing Peter as Satan? I don't believe so. I think Jesus was addressing the spirit that was giving Peter that... Uh, attitude, that mindset, those words to say. And just like that, I believe that when Jesus or God is talking about Babylon here in the New Testament, he is, yes, referring to a city. He is, yes, referring to nations, but he's not just addressing that city or those nations. He is addressing the spirit behind those, the demonic spirit that has been responsible partly for its success. And so think with me, okay? This is a principle that you need to understand as we study Daniel, but as you study the Bible in general, and this I think is the first statement on your handout, whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. Whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. Uh, God creates the kingdom of heaven, Satan creates the kingdom of Babylon. God creates his bride, the church. Satan creates the mother of harlots in Revelation, the kingdom of Babylon. And so as we talk about Babylon as an actual nation in Daniel, we need to understand that there is a spirit of Babylon that has existed throughout history that exists still today. The spirit of Babylon that was at work When Daniel and his friends were taken there, that was trying to influence them, that was trying to uh, change them, is still at work to influence and to change us today. It is a prevalent influence in our world throughout history and today. Uh, Here's what you need to remember, and this, I think, is the next statement on your handout. Here in this world, here in this world, you and I are never at home in Israel. Here in this world, you and I are never at home in Israel. We are always in exile in Babylon. Here in this world, we are never at home in Israel. We are always, always in exile in Babylon. And so with that mindset, we need to understand that the spirit of Babylon is going to try to influence us. It's going to, this culture that we live in is going to try to change us as it did for Daniel. But here's the thing, because as we study Daniel, Daniel does not just endure. Yes, we sing this world, the world is this world is not, sing the song, this world is not my home. I'm just to pass it through, I'm just trying to make it through, God. But that's not the way that Daniel lived. Daniel did not just endure in Babylon, he influenced Babylon. He did not allow himself to be influenced and he didn't just endure, he influenced the culture around him. Daniel goes from being a victim of human trafficking to 70 years later being second in command of the most powerful nation in the world at this time. Daniel decided to make a difference. He decided to influence culture around him. So how does he do that? Look at verse number five again, Daniel one in verse number five and the king appointed them. So this is after Daniel and his friends were there, after Daniel's friends were in Babylon, verse number five, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine, which he drank as nourishing them three years that at the end thereof, they might stand before the king. And so everything now about Daniel's life is about to change and, and understand this, okay, this, this education process that Daniel and his friends were about to go through. It was not just to teach. It was not orientation for Babylon. This was not just to teach them about Babylon. This was to make them Babylonian. It was to completely change their identity. Uh, It was to completely change who they are. Everything about their lives, from their surroundings, to their language, to their diets, to their physical appearance. And even their names were going to become Babylonian. Three years of indoctrination. Nothing else but three years of intensive brainwashing and teaching. In our society, we go for four years and we pay a lot of money for it. Uh, but that's what Daniel and his friends are going through. Uh, look at verse number six. Now, among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are their Jewish names. Remember those names. They're important. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel uh, the name of Beltesh- Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of of now, this is, I want you to get this, okay? This is, this is fascinating. Because Daniel is in Babylon. Daniel is under the influence of the spirit of Babylon, but Daniel does not allow himself to be influenced by Babylon. But notice what happens here. Because Daniel is, and his friends, they are going to be given new names. And these were not just nicknames, okay? These were not just buddy-buddy nicknames for you know, the, everybody to call, for Nebuchadnezzar to call his, his favorite, his favorite uh, people. No, these were names to change their identity, names to change who they were. Because what's interesting is that their original names, their Jewish names, found their identity in the one true God. Uh, in fact, uh, listen to this. Daniel's name, Daniel, means Jehovah is my judge. It will be changed to Belteshazzar, which means keeper of the treasure of Bel or Baal. We know that name from the Old Testament. And so uh, they are being changed from Hebrew names that gave their identity in Jehovah God to Babylonian names that will draw their meaning from Babylonian gods, changing their identity. Uh, Hananiah, uh, Hananiah, excuse me, means Jehovah has favored me. That's changed to Shadrach, which means messenger of the moon God. Mishio means Jehovah is my strength. That's changed to Meshach, which means servant of the god Shack. And then Azariah means Jehovah is my helper, and that's changed to Abednego, which uh, newsflash, when you start naming your kids, that one will be available. Uh, Abednego means worshiper or servant of the god Nego. But this, this is, this is what I love this, okay? Uh, this is, again, an attempt to attack their faith uh, at the deepest root of their identity. But I love this about how Daniel and his friends respond to this, because as you read the book of Daniel, whenever Daniel refers to himself, it's always his Daniel. Daniel never refers to himself as Belteshazzar. Only kings, only the Babylonian kings refer to him as Belteshazzar. And only when the Babylonians are referring to his three companions do they call them by their Babylonian names. That's the only time. Uh, So what are we saying here? This cultural re-education of Daniel and his friends did not take. It didn't take, they were not, they did not allow themselves to be influenced by culture around us. And then, this is fantastic, because as you study it out, as you go back and study the original Hebrew words, you'll find that Daniel, as he's writing the book of Daniel, even misspells the names several different times in several different ways. Daniel, Daniel said, forget this. Uh, I don't even care, Belteshazzar, Bel Beltazar, but I don't even care what my name is, it's Daniel. Uh, but the, the, the Hebrew, the Babylonian names are misspelled. Uh, this cultural reeducation did not take. It failed. Why? Because Daniel was aware. Daniel knew what was happening. And you and I need to be aware of the cultural re-education, the spirit of Babylon that is at work in this world that will try to change how we think, which will then in turn try to change how we live. So how does the spirit of Babylon and its culture influence you and I today Because we need to be aware. The Bible says we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We need to know so that we know how uh, to uh, oppose him. Now, this is part one of two, okay? Uh, Because we're gonna in two weeks. Next week, anniversary Sunday, we'll have something special. But in two weeks, we're gonna talk about not how Babylon influences us. We're gonna talk about how we can influence Babylon. So come back two weeks. You gotta be here for next week. Gotta be here for two weeks. Just keep on coming. All right. Number one, how does the spirit of Babylon influence us today? we've got to hurry through these. number one, separation. How does the spirit of Babylon influence us today? Number one, separation. Uh, Daniel was taken seven hundred miles away from his home the, this this cultural reeducation of Babylon did not take place in Judah. no Daniel and his friends had to be taken away. They had to be separated from everything that they knew, anything uh, that was the right spiritual influence, anything that looked familiar could remind them of who they were and what their heritage was. They had to be taken away, separated from the right people and put around the Babylonians. Why? Because you walk like who you walk with. You walk like who you walk with. And if you are around the spirit of Babylon and, and the spirit of Babylon can separate you from godly influence like this, then you will walk like who uh, you walk with. And, and we need to remember this, okay? Because when we're, when we're with dumb people, we do dumb things, okay? And I'm not necessarily saying wrong things, but you remember from being in high school, okay? Uh, whenever, you, whenever you did crazy things, okay, uh, you were with crazy people. I'm looking at this row right here. Uh, and so... But the same is true. That same principle still applies. You know, when the devil wants to overcome us, what does the Bible say? The devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How does a lion devour his prey? He doesn't go and attack a whole herd at once. He separates one. He separates them. Uh, And that's how he defeats us as believers. Um, Society and culture right now, listen, is at a time of separation. This this is a time as we've gone through COVID and quarantine. This is when everybody is separated, or or that is a norm. It's not unusual. And can I can I say this to you? Okay, now more than ever, you need to be with the people of God in church here, assembling together as the church around the right influence, hearing the right teaching, uh, being a part of congregational worship. You need to be together. I'm all for online church, and if the situation calls for it, absolutely. We're thankful that we have it, but it does not take the place of being together. What does the Bible say? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in Hebrews ten twenty-five. Uh, listen, it, it, it starts out, okay? Let me say this. People drift from their community of faith before they drift from their faith. People drift from their community of faith before they drift from their faith. Uh, If we are to find you in 10, 15, 20 years from now, away from your faith, not believing in God, it didn't start out like that. It started out one morning by saying, oh, it's raining outside, I'll just watch church online. And then the second time, a few weeks later, oh, I did it before, I'll just do it again. and, and it's a constant, slow faith. You're separated from your community of faith, and eventually you'll be separated from your faith. That's how the spirit of Babylon works, to separate people. Number two, we've got to move quick. How does the spirit of Babylon work? Separation. Number two, to dismantle the family. To dismantle the family, to attack the family. To disconstruct your faith, culture dis- deconstructs the family that transfers faith. Let me say this real quick okay? Uh, Babylon always attacks two things. the spirit of Babylon, we find it in Scripture always attacks two things. Uh, it's called Babylon's called in 7, Revelation 17:5 uh, the mother of harlots, the abomination uh, on the earth. So Babylon always ta- attacks two things. first of all, it always attacks healthy human sexuality. God's plan, for sexuality. It always attacks that. Okay. Uh, we find Daniel, uh, look back at Daniel chapter one and, uh, look at verse number three. The Bible says, and the king spake unto the as the master of his eunuchs. And so Daniel and his friends were given over to the leader or the prince or the master of the eunuchs. Well, if Daniel's given over to this guy, what do you think the first thing that happens for Daniel when he goes to Babylon? gender reassignment surgery. And Daniel, uh, the spirit of Babylon is attacking healthy human sexuality. Uh, it's attacking the fact that Genesis 1, 6 and 20, uh, 27 says, so God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him male and female, created he them. That's what the spirit of Babylon attacks. Uh, it attacks that God created two genders, that it is not binary, that it is male and female. And anything that disagrees with that or opposes that is against the word of God. It's a sin against Almighty God. Now, we love those people, but their lifestyle is a sin against Almighty God. Uh, That's what the spirit of Babylon attacks. And then secondly, the, the spirit of Babylon always wants to kill children. Revelation 12, 17 says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, or her offspring. It's interesting, we find throughout scripture, throughout history, in these pagan cultures, uh, you find, going all the way back to the, the Old Testament, we read about a god named Molech. Everybody remember from Molech? Uh, the one way you worshipped Molech was to take your newborn child and throw it in a fire for offering to Molech. That's how you worshipped it. Uh, what happens when Moses is born? How does the spirit of Babylon move Pharaoh to deal with what happens? Pharaoh takes all the brand new more babies and throws them in the river. Uh, when Jesus is born and Herod wants to deal with this newborn king, what does the spirit of Babylon move Herod to do? To kill all the children? Uh, today we call it the American abortion industry. The spirit of Babylon wants to kill children. He wants to dismantle the family quickly. Uh, number three. How does the spirit of Babylon work? He works through indoctrination. Indoctrination. The spirit of God teaches doctrine from the word. The spirit of Babylon indoctrinates from the world. And God says we have to beware of that. We've studied Romans 12 the last couple of weeks, but at the beginning of verse 2 it says, and be not conformed to this world. It literally means don't be pressed into their mold. spirit of Babylon, the culture around us, is trying to press you into their mold to make you think the way they think, to act the way they act, to accept What is commonly accepted in this world and culture today don't be conformed to their mold. Uh, And uh, we need to be aware of that. Uh, They do it by taking something that is good, changing its definition or association and making the alternative completely negative. You've seen this before uh, on social media or in the news. Uh, People are asked questions like this. Are you for justice or are you a racist? Uh, are you affirming or do you practice hate? Uh, are you pro-choice or do you oppose women's rights? Uh, are you uh, in support of uh, men and women's sports or do you uphold toxic masculinity? Uh, and that's the kind of indoctrination that culture around us is trying to make us think. Because here's the thing, it's made to be either or. But guess what? Uh, we can be for true justice and also be for racial reconciliation. Uh, we can be against abortion and still be for women's rights. Uh, we, can, uh, we can be uh, uh, against the, the sin of homosexuality and we can love people and try to lead them to Jesus. It's not either or. The Spirit of Babylon tries to indoctrinate us to make us believe that. Uh, Listen, if you accept the world's categories, you will come to the world's conclusions. If you accept the world's categories, you will come to the world's conclusions, and we need to forsake that. Uh, And then lastly, incentivization. How does the Spirit of Babylon influence us? They do it through incentivization. Culture wants you to compromise so that you can have a career or so that you can have a community. They want you to compromise. There's a reward for compromise. Uh, Culture doesn't invite you to surrender. They invite you to compromise. You can keep 95% of what you believe and what you like and what you prefer, but just that 5%, just that 5%, if if you'll just give over that, if you'll post this, or or you'll support this cause or you'll fly this flag uh, or you'll do this or that uh, society doesn't ask us to surrender they just ask us to compromise and if you will do that they say well then we'll give you a raise then we'll ensure your position in this company then we'll then we'll make sure that you pass this class that's how the spirit of babylon works now we say all of this okay but how does this apply to us today we need to be aware but we're going to bring it home. So stay with me for the next two minutes. Okay. Because Daniel had to make a decision. This is how the spirit of Babylon was in uh, influencing Daniel, but Daniel had to make a decision. Daniel had to decide, will I be influenced or will I be an influencer? And I'm not talking about Instagram. Uh, And that's the decision that you have to make too. Will I be influenced or will I be an influencer? Daniel had to draw a line. Daniel had to draw a line. We find it in Daniel 1.8, but Daniel Daniel was in Babylon, couldn't change that. Daniel was being forced to go through all of this re-education, couldn't change that. But Daniel said, I'm going to draw a line, I'm going to draw a line. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to cross it. Daniel had to draw a line. He couldn't change his situation or his circumstance, but he could change how he lived with it. And notice what Daniel does here. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. He knew his Bible. He knew uh, in Exodus 34 that he wasn't supposed to eat meat offered to idols. He knew from Leviticus 7 what meat was clean and what was unclean. And Daniel said, I'm going to stick with that. I'm not going to compromise it. This is where I draw the line. And then Daniel, it says, therefore, he requested, therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs. Respectfully, Daniel asked. It's amazing. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But Daniel didn't get nasty. Daniel didn't get snotty. Uh, Daniel didn't threaten. Daniel didn't riot. Daniel didn't protest. Daniel asked respectfully to not defile himself. Uh, Listen, you and I We live in Babylon. We've already established that. We'll not be at home in Israel, in this world. We are always going to be at exile in Babylon. And you and I have to draw the line. And So I ask you this. Have you drawn the line? Have you drawn the line? Have have you in school or at work or with people that you know on social media, have you drawn the line? Say, I'll... I'll go to the school, I'll be a friend to anyone who needs to be a friend. I will work a job and I will do what I need to do to support this company and make it a success, but I will not compromise my faith. Uh, Can I say for most of you, if not all of you, there is a day, well that will come, where you have to draw the line and you have to decide, am I going to cross it? Uh, Will I compromise? Uh, Daniel, and, and this is what's lovely uh, because when Daniel draws the line God lifts him up we don't even take time, we don't have time to look at it but when Daniel draws the line and says I won't defile myself then three years later Daniel or God lifts him up to second in command of the kingdom ten times better than anybody else and so two things to remember from this Okay, the world will not ask for surrender it will ask for compromise it won't ask for you to completely give up It'll just say, here, just, just cross the line. Just cross the line. And this is where we'll pick up in two weeks because if you're going to make a difference, you must be different. In order to make a difference, you must be different. We, we've got to be aware of the spirit of Babylon at work in this world around us and how it tries to influence us. But that's not enough because we don't want to just endure, we want to influence. We don't want to just survive, we want to thrive. And so in two weeks we'll pick up and see from Daniel how Daniel influenced the culture around him.